You've dreamed of building a family, but the journey hasn't been easy. I'm Dr. Laura Shaheen, a reproductive endocrinologist helping people build families every day. On our new podcast, Baby or Bust, we'll be learning from both reproductive experts and people who have faced challenges just like yours. Join us every week for Baby or Bust, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to follow us so you never miss an episode. SheFit. We know the fitness industry makes a lot of empty promises. We're done with shortcuts and quick fixes. No woman should be let down or held back, especially by her clothing. It's time to experience the only sports bra that's as strong as you are. Available in the widest range of sizes. Easy on and off, with 50% less bounce than the Nike Pro. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Today on the Zabecast, it is a late night, fresh off the Roadcaster Pro Edition with late night Andy, about to drink his milk and eat his cookies and go to bed. Yes, Virginia, there is a God. Redemption comes one year later from supreme embarrassment to championship bliss. We'll talk title game, final four, the NCAA, bad contracts, Ernie's ouster, and a whole lot more. Your bonus 1% Zabe is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Oh, here we go. A late night edition of the Zabe cast where it has just gone final in Minneapolis. Wah-hoo-wah. The University of Virginia national champs, 85-77 in overtime against a gritty, gutty, and game Texas Tech squad that may have been jobbed with one of the worst applications of instant replay you have ever seen. At this point, I am sitting here like Kermit the Frog, sipping a cup of tea. I have nothing else to say about this, nothing else to add You saw exactly the devil's child, the spawn of sports Satan, birthed in overtime on that replay. Yes, Moretti's pinky touched the ball. That was never, ever intended to be why you would use replay to overturn a call. But once you start microscoping things, my God, you never know what you're going to find. It may not have decided the game. There was quite a bit of game left after that call, but it certainly was pivotal, and it will leave a bad, bad taste in many fans' mouth. So, like we talked about yesterday, me and Mr. X, when a horseshoe is lodged firmly up the ass of a team on a run in a tournament or in a playoff situation, anecdotally speaking, we've got no proof about this, the horseshoe tends to stay put. The luck continues all the way to the fucking end. And it sure enough did right there because first it was the shot from Diakite. Then it was the foul. And tonight it was the pinky. So without further ado, you're not going to believe this people. Guess who is still awake at this ungodly hour 
of nearly midnight on the east coast andrew poland is live awake at midnight oh man this this uh never fails to disappoint does it unbelievable that uh first of all congratulations on being awake you would yeah. you would normally stay up for this though, right? Back when we were doing our show, yeah. Oh yeah, there there's a few you know local teams in championship games. This game, uh, not too many others, but I I love this event and this was this was great. I mean, uh, the way it started out, you go, oh my god, <laughs> this, we're gonna watch all night, and and then it got going. The under yeah, the under 16 mark, it was 3-2 to two, Texas Tech. So you do the math on what that would have looked like. But it yeah. did pick up, and it turned out to be a, a very entertaining game, which, of course, is going to be remembered by the pinky from hell. Yep, 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 yep. That's true. And also, uh, I think what you saw was a, a play at the end of regulation that could have easily gone – you know, the way it went for Virginia against Auburn. You that know, you could have called a foul on that. Yeah, I mean, you, you, Not, you wouldn't, and it wouldn't yeah. have been the right call, but but you could see that happening there, and it didn't happen. Yeah, what if what if the referees had choked in that moment and yeah. blew their whistle? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that, that call was ridiculous, too, on the out-of-bounds. I think Virginia still would have won without that, but the, uh, the out-of-bounds call there was ridiculous. That well, was absolutely ridiculous. Well, you know, also, too, it's funny, you get to microscoping things. And yeah. once you start doing that, you never know what you're going to find exactly. And yeah. the application of the rules by way of microscope is so uneven because some things you can change and others you can't. I mean, Moretti was arguably fouled on that play. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, yet and all they could look at was, did it touch his pinky? That was never intended. Basketball has always been played under the principle of who knocked it out, basically, right. not yeah. whose pinky touched it last. Yeah, and 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 I mean, you could never see that in real time on the floor. The only way you could see that is on the on the film, and that really wasn't the intent of instant replay. That's to overturn egregious calls. That would not have been an egregious call had that ball been called out of bounds on Virginia. That said. I think, Andy, you are still in favor of replay. Because I think you need to have it, but you need to apply it differently. Okay. I mean, it, in that particular case, it should not have been applied. So you, I would put you in the category of replay reformer, not replay abolitionist, because oh, no. I am an abolitionist. I would take every goddamn replay machine and push it off a bridge into the deepest gorge and the fastest moving river and say, never again. I lived my whole life without this shit. I don't need it now. Yeah. Well, I, I think it, at some point it would prevent a team that should have advanced. Now you could also say uh, Virginia shouldn't be there anyway because of the uh, oh. Ty Jerome call. So, Oh yeah. Like yeah. we, and I just mentioned this before I, you know, dialed you on the phone, uh, when the horseshoe is jammed up a team's ass, it stays there. Am I right? Right. Like anecdotally, all your years of watching sports, doesn't it always seem that way when a team has that good juju, that luck, it doesn't run out until there's confetti falling from the rafters. Yeah. I mean, but they're also, I think one of the greatest stories in the history of sports 
of coming back from just an unbelievable occurrence. I oh, mean, right. <laughs> you know, to, to, to have lost the way they did the year before. They didn't, like, get beat at the buzzer by a lower seed. They lost by 20 points to a 16 uh, to, to, to a team where not a single player they would have recruited. Not a single player from UMBC was was probably on the radar for Virginia, and then to come all the way back and win it all. I mean, it's I think it's one of the most remarkable stories in sports. It is a hell of a story, and it is nice that good guys can finish first because obviously, a guy like Tony Bennett, not just handsome as all get out, <laughs> just a nice guy, you know. And it appears that Virginia is doing it without paying the mothers of their players consulting fees. If you it know appears. what I'm saying. It appears that way. It appears that way. <laughs> but we don't know for no. sure exactly. No. Um, so, all right, there's a lot to unpack from this game and from the Final Four. Uh, where do you want to start on the Final Four? And I haven't talked to you since uh, the the first two games on Saturday. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I think that what you saw is maybe, and somebody wrote this and is taking a little flack, I think, from the NBA, too, that this is the future of college basketball, that, you know, what happened with Duke, that's going to be gone in another year or two. They're, they're going to get rid of the one-and-dones. And so what you got here, this guy, Matt Mooney, it's his third school um, you know, transfers, right. seen, uh, Virginia's got guys who are redshirted. Well, I, mean, uh, this, I believe, this is the, yeah, Pete, Fa- Pete Thamel writing for Yahoo said that this was basically the future, which was low scoring starless yeah. final fours and that college basketball needs a quote plan in order to figure out how to better, you know, address financial concerns for players so as to not, and this was his words, Lose your best talent to the NBA and the G League. And I nearly laughed milk out my nose thinking, what are you fucking talking about? No kid who can go to the NBA is going to be swayed by even $100,000 a year to go to college for one year. The NBA guys are going straight to the NBA, and 99% of the kids are going to college. No, but I I think what they have to do is, is something that Gary Williams has been talking about for a while. If a kid declares for the NBA draft and he isn't taken, he should be able to go back to college. And I also think that if a guy goes in the second round, he should hmm. be able to go back to college. I think that might be a good compromise because, you know. Okay, so hold on, though. That that gets complicated. Does a coach then rescind his scholarship once he declares for the pros? No, no. You, so you got you, to hold that scholarship until after the draft? Oh, come on. How, how many schools are, are, are that, you know? I don't know. I don't know, down. Andy. It, I, I think these coaches don't like holding on to empty scholarships for any longer than they have to. Also, what if the coach says, well, we're moving on anyway, and then well, we're, then does the kid have to sit out after coming back from the NBA draft if his current team doesn't want him back? Well, he could. He, I mean, the, the way these transfer rules work now, they can get some type of degree and move oh, on. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> these graduate transfers, Mooney is one Mooney said, well, I can't get my graduate degree in just one year. So right. these kids are figuring out if I don't play early and I've still got four years left and I bust my hump and I get a degree 
undergrad degree in two, two and a half years, whatever, then I can take two more years somewhere else and still yeah. be eligible to play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's happening. They're, they're supposedly talking about cracking down on it. They're not going to do that. I think the, the, this is this is a good system. This is working. That and you know, guy can go to a school for one year. Uh, look, when 1989, so we're talking 30 years ago, uh, when Seton Hall went to the championship game and lost in overtime to Michigan, they had a guy named Andrew Gaze, who was a professional basketball player in Australia. Yeah, I remember him. He, he showed up on campus in October. He played <laughs> on the team. He he dropped out of school. <laughs> the day after the championship game and went back to Australia to play professional basketball. <laughs> that model works. It's okay. That, that doesn't bother me because the, the, this, this nonsense about student athletes. And I got into it on Twitter with, with Feinstein over the weekend, but the, the reality is they're not student athletes. They don't go there to be students. They go there to be basketball players. Well, so treated as such as uh, who was the quarterback for Ohio state said famously on Twitter. We ain't here to play school. Oh yeah, that was um, uh, yeah, Jones. He, yeah, is he still in the league? He was with Buffalo for a while. Yeah. Cardell Jones. Card- yeah. We ain't here to play school. That, yeah, that is one of the best lines ever. But basketball and football are different animals. And True. as far as basketball goes, you know, there there are. I did the I ran the numbers on this. There, I mean, there's so many college. There's 351 D1 programs. 300. Mm-hmm. And 51, Andy. Mm-hmm. 13 scholarships per. And if you count the entire first and second round of the NBA draft, that's 1.1% of the entire population that even get drafted. So why yes. are we worrying about the 1.1%? Because, Let them go pro. Because why? Because these are the ones that move the needle on the tournament. I mean, this, this was a year where Zion Williamson was the biggest thing in college basketball. Okay, but guess what? There'll be another one next year. Not as big, but occasionally they come along. But from 95 when Garnett jumped to the pros, and he was the guy that started it all, right? Well, there have been a couple of guys like 20 years earlier, but he's the one that started the the big movement, yeah. Garnett starts at 95. For 10 years, we had guys jump into the pros. From mm-hmm. 95 to 05, when they finally put in the one and done. And guess what? The tournament survived. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. there's, there's new guys that come along. I had forgotten about uh, last year. Do you remember the stylings? And, you know, by the way, a lot of these kids are like, well, I, I want to be able to, A lot of people are saying these kids should be able to benefit off their name and likeness. Most guys don't have any value in their name nor their likeness because nobody knows what they look like. For example, Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett for Duke, two lottery picks. They're 6'7", 6'8", one's 210, one's 215. I think Reddish is more the interior player. Barrett is more the wing guy. Could you pick him out of Duke? Could you pick him out of the Osmond family photo? Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> and last no. year, Marvin Bagley, who's now a Sacramento King, and Wendell Carter, who's now a Chicago Bull, were the two big guys for Duke. Right, right. No, well, what happens is they actually do benefit off their likenesses because they come into the NBA with big sneaker contracts. It's going to be a huge one for Zion Williamson. Oh, that's, yeah. That's, that's going to happen. So they already are, are benefiting from it. But I, I wouldn't have a problem 
if uh, you know they they did a commercial for a, a local uh, grocery store or, or yeah, <laughs> like I mean, Jameis Winston for Publix. Hi, yeah. Jameis Winston for Publix. If you want the freshest crab legs, <laughs> go to Publix. Yeah, they'll I mean, throw in free butter. <laughs> but, okay, okay. We, we had a story uh, over the weekend that Zion Williamson's mother may have gotten some money to be a well, consultant for Nike. It, it wasn't a story per se. It was Michael Avenatti yeah, going okay. going crazy on Twitter. And what I found interesting, Andy, is not many major media outlets picked up the baton and ran with it. Yeah, they, because nobody rep- cares. This this is the point. Who cares? There's a there's a bot. It, it, so what if she got some money? Is that going to change anything? Well, who cares is a bad argument because people do care. If Duke is cheating in cahoots with Nike, if Nike is just as bad as Adidas, because Adidas and you know ended up sending three or four guys to prison. Yeah, that's that's a joke too, but. Because they, they didn't violate any federal laws, they but they cheated in college. Right. So and, so if Nike is cheating and if they are as slimy as Adidas, which logic would say, well, of course they have to be as slimy as Adidas, then I think you should care if Nike is doing this in a way that's just more artful or more <laughs> hidden. But I suppose. But but look, we've had Beheim's been caught. He's had to give up wins. He still coaches. You know. <laughs> I know. No matter what happens, if they so what if they catch Krzyzewski? Are they going to kick him out? Is he going to get fired at Duke? No, but I guess it would tarnish his legacy. So in what? In theory. In theory, yeah. But his legacy is so secure. Plus, he's he's crossed over. He's become this godlike figure for NBA guys because of the Olympics. So, so what? When's he going to fucking retire? When's Bayheim going to retire? They, These, they don't want to. I know them. The money's too good. It's hard to displace them. And the uh, the search for coaching talent and the pressure to hire somebody good and keep them is so great. Look what just happened at Tennessee. Rick Barnes picks up the phone when UCLA calls and Tennessee says, whoa, 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 whoa. How about a new contract? Yeah. UCLA yeah. just got Coach Cal a new deal at Kentucky and got Rick Barnes a new deal at Tennessee. And Rick Barnes is a is a career come up shorter when it comes to <laughs> coaching. Am I wrong about that? Well, he's, he's built good programs. I mean, Tennessee was not really a – well, after the cheating of Bruce Pearl there, um, <laughs> they, they kind of bottomed down for a while, and so he came in and cleaned it up. And now, you know, the UCLA the, – you're, you're maybe a little bit too young, but to me, UCLA is the Yankees of college basketball. I know it's been a long time, and I know that they won one in the last, you know, what – 30 years or whatever it was, 40 years. But I still think that if you can turn that around, it really matters. And Tennessee is a football school. It is. UCLA, when they're good, it's a basketball school. Andy, UCLA is an old Broadway actress who is now 72 and trying to dine out on her good looks. It's, I, it, she is long since over. I, I believe the blue blood... Mount Rushmore, the college game is Kansas, home of Fog Allen and Dr. Naismith, Kentucky, Duke, and North Carolina. 
Yeah, see, Duke to me is still new money. It is new money. <laughs> You're right. It is dot com money. They, but guess what? They are the new standard. They're I the, know. Do you know what they're like? They're like Apple. Apple's a relatively new company. See, see, here's here's what UCLA is to me. I went to my 40th reunion a couple of years ago, and the really great looking girls from high school, although they may have gotten a little older, a little fatter, still look great. Whatever, you think, to me, I still look at them as the same way I did in 1975. So that's that's UCLA to me, and it always will be. And yet, UCLA was dominant because the college landscape was so far different in terms of exposure, television, and on top of that, UCLA cheated. Oh, of course, yeah. But that's 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 the grease that's that's moved the wheels forever in college basketball. Yeah. That's nothing new. That goes back to the 1950s at Here, NYU. Well, here's what's got to be embarrassing for UCLA. First and foremost, they don't fly charters. Did you know that? Oh, and they don't pay their coaches all that well either. Right. They fired Steve Alford on New Year's Eve. Yeah. And they still can't hire somebody. Somebody joked on Twitter, has UCLA considered posting this job on monster.com? <laughs> Somebody else tweeted, at this rate, they're going to have to offer the gig to LeVar Ball in exchange for buying out big baller brand sneakers. Yeah. Oh, Why that not? is cold. That yeah. is cold. Hey, let me go back to what you said. You, Andy uh, got into it with John Feinstein, <laughs> Mr. Season on the Brink, Mr. BB&T Classic, a guy who has been – Super involved in the college game for years. Is very close friends with Gary Williams. Uh, John did not like the semifinals when they had four student athletes from all four schools combine on a little acapella quartet with a guy playing guitar, couple Mm -hmm. of the singing. It was like volleyball, soccer, water. It was like four different non-revenue sports. And it had the perfect diversity rec- representation yep. guy girl asian black guy perfect right i thought great. it was i thought it was nice you thought it was nice and here comes feinstein on twitter <laughs> just throwing haymakers yeah calling yeah, the well, ncaa hypocritical and i hate hypocrites and he's going back and forth with people who are like geez john who pissed in your cheerios today yeah, and I, I simply said, well, I, I liked it. He says, I wasn't criticizing the singing, Andy. <laughs> so but, I don't understand. Like, he took umbrage with the NCAA calling them student athletes, when in yeah. fact I thought they were the very definition of student athletes because they're non-revenue students. Yeah, I, I felt that way too, but maybe he thought that they were using those student athletes to say, oh, they're just like the basketball players we're about to watch. Oh. And that, that was the, that was their part. But, you know, Feinstein has had – he's had some pretty serious run-ins. He almost got in a fist fight with Brent Musburger a long time ago. Because wow. he, yeah, because he, he thought that Musburger was too much of a shill for the NCAA. <laughs> Well, then I, I don't think Feinstein would have liked this TV crew. Let's talk about the announcers. Oh, yeah. I, okay, look, okay, go ahead. I was just going to say to you, if I hear Grand Hill say, that's not an easy shot, 
one more time. I'm going <laughs> to smash this beautiful 65-inch TV that I bought a few months ago. <laughs> Every shot. That's not an easy shot. Well, of course it's not an easy shot. They're trying to contest it. I said something on Twitter that got some people triggered. I said, look, enough of the onions, the kiss, Jerome, organize those puppies, man-to-man, and all the growling. I said I've had enough. And that's rare for me because I like Raftery. I love Raftery. I've loved him. He's been one of my favorite TV uncles for a long time. But I swear there were times during the broadcast I didn't understand what Raftery was growling. (laughs) Yeah. It was almost like he was ordering off a Chinese takeout menu. I think maybe he's looked at all the books that Vital's written and all the pizza commercials he does. And, and he's thinking, hey, this is the way to go. Every game he has done this tournament, he gets in every one of his five phrases. Yeah. Jerome, yeah. onions, kiss, organize them puppies, man to man. Every yeah. one, Andy. Well, I think it's also intoxicating for him when he walks through airports and people yell those things back at him. And so it feels like, oh, it works. You know, look, they recognize me. True or false, I once stood next to Raftery at the old U.S. Air Arena, before it was called U.S. Air Arena, Cap Center, at a urinal taking a piss during a timeout in a Georgetown basketball game and had a brief exchange with him in which he was very pleasant. True or uh, false? I would say that's uh, extremely true. I, it I is true. Reason. Ding, yeah. ding, ding. I was 22 years old. And he was, you know, even though he didn't need some young punk talking to him while he was pissing, mm-hmm. I figured, hey, it's Bill Raftery. I want yeah. to say something like, hey, Raft, how's it going? <laughs> did, you, uh, did you have a press pass for that? No, he went uh, He went into one of the public restrooms. I believe. Oh, really? No, 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 no. You know what? No, 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 no. I was an intern. I was an intern in the Susan O'Malley Les Boulets of circa 1988. I want to say I was in college at the time. Mm -hmm. So there it was, which which brings me uh, while while we're talking about Les Boulets to the Wizards, Andy. Ernie Mm. Grunfeld has finally met the Turk. Yeah, well, I mean, look, uh, uh, Ted... Ted has to say, well, you know, I had a clean slate when he came in and all that. That That's fine. But reality was, you know, it was time for him to go some time ago. And I like Ernie a lot. And, and I think that initially he did a great job. I mean, when he took over after Jordan was thrown out, he did a great job. But 16 years, you know, you can say new ownership and you're not going to pay any attention to what happened under a Poland, but that really isn't a really good way to look at things. And the fact that he was allowed to, you know, rebuild after Gilbert and he made, okay, you know, he made some, some picks that were one ball was obvious. And then I think Beal at the number three was a good pick, but he's made some terrible draft picks and would fix them with some pretty good trades from time to time. His free agent moves became terrible because the team was bad and nobody wanted to come here. So all in all, it was a it was a tenure that went about, I would say, about seven or eight years too long in reality. But didn't didn't his 16 year tenure pretty much split 50 50 between your yeah. cousin Abe yeah. as well as Ted? So if Ted comes in and says, well, OK, clean slate, 
Uh, I'm going to see how I work with this guy. He gave him eight years, and there was playoffs in four of those eight years, I think. Yeah, but and, th- but 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 that's the problem. It, it was it was almost like the Redskins way, where they go, "Oh, we're we're you know first round playoff team. We're close." No, you're not really close. And they were never able to get that great player to come here. And then you know when. <laughs> The summer of 16, where they had to spend money and he had to give Jan Mahimi $62 million. You know, uh, he gave Andre Blotch a second contract when you you tell he was a turd. I mean, uh, things like that. You just you just look back and you say, what was he thinking at the time? And it was just this desperate attempt to stay good, but not do what it takes to get great. And boy, do I see that dynamic playing out with the Washington Redskins right now. And Jay Gruden. Uh, It looks like this Rosen thing is going to happen, or it may have already been agreed to. And an interesting theory I saw today was that the league has told the Cardinals and the Redskins, hey, don't spoiler alert our reality show known as the draft by announcing this deal now. Would you buy that? How does that spoil the draft? I don't know. Because then if they if they say we've traded Josh Rosen to the Redskins for a second and a third or whatever the number oh. is, oh. Then, then, then then we know who's going number one, number one. Oh, yeah, I guess. I mean, theoretically, uh, the Cardinals could, could sign Murray now. That, that's happened. You can sign a guy before the draft. That's right. Didn't uh, Charlie do that with the Texans, with Genevieve Clowney? I think, and then uh, then there was the one where... Or no, not uh, Clowney. He did it with the guy that went to the Bills. The defensive yeah, Mar- Mario, Mario Williams. Mario Williams, yep. Yeah. Well, also, I, I think uh, the reason that, that either it was it maybe Cleveland and Tim Couch became their quarterback is because they couldn't sign Achilles Smith. You know? Yeah. I mean, so... I, I don't know about that. I I just think uh, I don't. I personally, I don't want Rosen. I don't think he's going to be very good. And I think the fact that nobody else is clamoring with us to go get him says all you need to know. The Cardinals may be idiots. They may be selling a used car after just having driven it off the lot for pennies mm-hmm. on the dollar. I don't think they're idiots. I don't think like bottom line with Rosen is this, Andy. He ain't the guy. I'll know yeah. the guy when I see the guy. He ain't that guy. Sorry. Doesn't seem to be, but, you know, you never know if he rinds, winds up in the right system. Of course, you know, anybody who winds up here, it's liable to be a disaster because it's here. You know, he could, <laughs> right. you know, Bill, Bill Belichick could say, yeah, I'll spend, I'll spend a second rounder. We got a bunch of them back in storage here. Let's just pull one out and, right. and you know, let him, let him sit behind Brady for two years and then, you know, maybe it becomes Aaron Rodgers. Who knows? There right. is there is talk the Skins might get him for a lone third. Could you Do imagine? It. Do it. Yeah. That'd be hard Why? to pass up, and I'm not even for having him. Because then, see, the problem is he's marketable as, hey, this guy was a top 10 pick last year. I know. but there's Still really under nothing. dealer warranty. No damage. There's There's nothing they can do that will increase or make it a better atmosphere this season than it was last season. There's nothing they can do. Draft Josh Rosen. No. Or trade for Rosen and then draft somebody sexy at 15. No. The the only thing you could do, seriously. This is a team that always sells sizzle, Andy. It always sells hope. Come on. There's no more. The only sizzle they could sell is, 
we've, we've traded for Tom Brady. We're going to get three years out of him. That's it. Jesus. Brady? Yeah. <laughs> look, look, Tom Brady look, the Redskin years. Look, I've look, never considered that. Look at the landscape here. It's it, it, it. I mean, they've taken something that was unbreakable and they've broken it. And now you got a hockey team. The excitement now for the Caps heading into the playoffs is spectacular. People are people are really juiced up about that. Yep. The baseball team's bullpen is a is a mess. Yeah. Uh, that that's a problem. But they'll they'll, they'll get that fixed. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, the, those, those two things, those two spring sports that bleed into the fall with, with the, uh, nationals, it, the Redskins are, are, are really dropped. I, 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 I'm, it's unbelievable to me that this has happened, but they are, they are really in danger of falling to like third in this town. It's incredible. It is pretty incredible. Uh, oh, by the way, on, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, shoot. I lost my train of thought here. So, yeah. So. Redskins draft Rosen third rounder blah blah blah. Oh, bad contracts. We were talking about Ernie and bad contracts. Do you in any way feel bad for Crash Davis of the Baltimore Orioles, who on Monday night went zero for three to extend his hitless streak to zero for forty nine, dating back to last year? He is due twenty two million, twenty two million. And twenty-two million after this year's twenty-two million is all deposited into the bank. He has gone to a guy who literally can't hit the ball. Uh, I know it, it's amazing. We've seen this with pitchers over the years. Steve Blass, the most famous, who right. suddenly could, couldn't find the plate. But I can't remember a hitter who just dropped off the tail. Now he was never a great average hitter. Even when he hit his 47 home runs, I think he hit like 235 for that year. Yeah. But the fact that, that he cannot hit the ball is, is, is hard to imagine. Now, maybe it's eyesight could be, you know, maybe he needs LASIK surgery. I don't know. Maybe a hypnotist. Help me. I need a hypnotist. But, but I, I don't blame the Orioles for investing the money. They did. He, He, he seemed like, and he was a young player, good player and hit a lot of home runs, but, I, I I never seen anything like this on a hitter. In two thousand in two thousand thirteen, Andy, when he was twenty seven, his age twenty seven season, as Galdi yeah. would say, he hit fifty three home runs, drove in a hundred and thirty eight, with a batting average of two eighty six. Oh, was that high? Okay, yeah. Those are Hall of Fame shaped numbers, at least for one year. Right. Slumped to twenty six in two thousand. 14 bounced back to 47 in 2015 however that was the year he got busted for taking Adderall and got suspended for 25 games at the end of the regular season then the Orioles deep in the winter of of 2016 because I'm on baseball reference and I'm looking it up it wasn't until like January they signed him to that deal, six-year deal for a hundred and twenty whatever million dollars. Actually, more than six years. One, two, three, seven-year deal, seven-year deal, and he's trying. And they don't know what to do with him. They shut him down early last summer, so he he wouldn't be more embarrassed. Yeah, yeah Jesus, it's, it's 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 really 
baffling. And, and uh, yeah, I, I don't even know what to do. I mean, if you, if you're the Orioles, what do you do? Do you, do you, do you cut your losses, cut them loose? I would, do you send them down to the minors? How do you do it? I, I would, I would go to him and say, what Chris crash, what do you want to do? Do you want to keep going out there and swinging and missing? Cause by the way, the Orioles are in tank mode. So he's mm-hmm. actually helping them out by being as bad as he is. Okay, that's true. So you could ask him, you could say, look, are you immune to embarrassment at this point? If you hit 038 for the year, are you okay with that? Because we'll still send you out because we're we're actually trying to lose. <laughs> or or you might you might talk to him and you might say, look, that I this is hard for me to take. I don't want to be cut. I want to be around the team. The team wants me around. Give me a uniform. Just let me be in there. I'll pinch hit every now and then, okay? And if I'm the Orioles, I say, fine. If he comes to me and says, I can't take this anymore, I'd say, okay, we're going to cut you. We're going to cut you. We're going to eat the money. Yeah, you have I guess. To. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, I, again, maybe some something happens and he snaps out of it. But right now. <laughs> what? A magic uh, yeah. spell? Uh, it's, yeah, I, I it's just, unthinkable. Yeah, really, it really is. I mean, we're seeing with like with Trevor Rosenthal right now. He's he's that guy as a pitcher, but we haven't seen this as a hitter that I can remember. Yeah, and then there's one more wrinkle that only matters to us here locally. That is apparently this Masson thing, this court mm-hmm. case Masson, the Mid Atlantic Sports Network, which is the regional baseball network that carries both the Orioles and the Nationals. It's owned by Peter Angelos. And that was a concession to allowing the Nationals franchise to be born back in 05. He wanted to own the cable TV local regional rights. Okay, they did that, but the agreement was we'll pay an appropriate amount of rent to the Nats for being on our network. But but the Nats and the learners won't own any part of Masson. So right from the get-go, Angelos and the learners are arguing about you owe me this. No, I don't. Yada, yada, yada. Then there's some under-the-table payments. Then it goes to court. Then there's a decision in favor of the Nats. That just got overturned. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. And the Orioles now say they don't owe us anything. Well, th- this is this is why Tom Lavero says he was told that they knew it was not a great deal from the beginning, but they didn't think Angelos would live this long. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Now, now nobody's heard from Angelos in a while, so he may not be totally with it, but he's still alive. And that's part of what has gone on here. Now, the other thing that's happening is with all the cord cutting, uh, the value of, of the deal is diminishing for the Orioles as well. There was a period when it peaked, you know, maybe five, six years ago. But that's changing now with all the cord cutting, and there's a possibility that the whole mass and network is going to dry up. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and, right. and Bud Selig tried to broker a deal to get Comcast to buy mass, and I think it was like a billion dollars, and that didn't happen either. So, yeah, they just go back and and, and the learners – they like court. They're used to going to court. It's okay. Uh, they got a lot of lawyers on retainer. They're exactly. fine with that. Yeah. And last ad on the hockey team. So I saw today where Lord Stanley, the cup itself, came back to D.C. with its handler 
because the playoffs are about to start. Caps open up on Thursday against Carolina. Yep. Yeah. And I likened I, it I likened it to in high school, you drop your girlfriend off at her parents' house <laughs> after a date and, and you hope that everything is okay and cool because it's like, all right, you had your drunken fun with her. Time for her to come home and go to bed because technically you're still the champs, but we're holding the playoffs now and we'll see who wins this thing. Yeah, I, I didn't know that that was a fringe benefit. I remember when they opened the season and a veteran paraded around the ice with the cup, they put it in the box and it was going back to wherever it sits, the Hockey Hall of Fame or whatever. I didn't realize it comes back for the start of the playoffs. What if you don't I, make the playoffs? I, I think you get it for almost a full year. I think, well, I, I think, you know, you get the date ends once the playoffs begin. Okay. I think, but I don't know. Anyway, uh, I, I would love to win it again, Andy. I don't know about you. Oh, it'd be, well, that, this is where now you start thinking about separating yourselves out as one of the great teams of all time. Not that many teams have ever won back-to-back. So, True. yeah. And, you know, right now, I mean, I don't know anything about hockey, but I do know that Ovechkin is still playing great. Yeah. And and remember last year, heading into the playoffs, you remember who the goalie was? Philip Grubauer. That's right, Gruby. <laughs> so so now you got Braden Holpe who's playing well. I mean, he's, he's not great, but he's been good. And the team, you know, they had this hiccup around the first of the year where they lost like seven straight. And they were thinking, oh, my God. And they righted the ship on that, and they've been playing really well. So I, I don't think it's unthinkable to think they could win another one. I don't so much give a shit as to their legacy and where they stand in the pantheon of all-time great teams that win back-to-back. I want them to win the Cup again because it's goddamn fun. Oh, It's God a damn. goddamn thrill ride fun all the way through to June. I say let's do it again. But the, the odd thing about the way we rank everything now, that if they did win the Cup, we would start comparing the celebration to last year. Well, it wasn't quite as great. Ovechkin didn't do as many kids stands. They didn't take it. There were a few less people at the parade. If they win it again, one of the players will have to die celebrating to top last (laughs) summer. And I don't want that to happen, but I'm just saying that's what it would take to top it. All right, Andy, enjoy the Masters on Sunday. I hope Mr. Redshirt is in the lead or somewhere on the first page come Sunday and you're enjoying your Chinese food before Murder, She Wrote in 60 Minutes. Well, Murder, She Wrote isn't on anymore, but 60 Minutes is. <laughs> and and you, you want to talk about redemption, you know, with what Virginia just did? That would instantly be topped by Tiger winning the Masters. Yeah. Instantly. Some yeah. people think Tiger doesn't have a shot. I know Hank Haney was running him down on his radio show because his putting's been bad this year. I'm saying no, no, no. Tiger will be a factor in this thing. I believe it in my bones, and I believe Phil cannot be ruled out either. The old guys yeah. at Augusta with all the local knowledge, uh, they will be a factor when it's all said and done. Andy Tiger's, Tiger's yeah. what, 43? Is he 43? Yeah. Or 42? Okay, Jack was 46. So Yeah, yeah, yeah he's got yeah. a couple years on me. A couple years left. Yeah, yeah. The old man still got it done. <laughs> Don't forget about it, Andy. I talked right, to you out of Creighton Farms. You know that. Yes, sir. That was great. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, pal. See ya. See ya. A lot of chatter from people on the internet, you know, where people chatter and argue with each other about the late start time for tonight's championship game or last night's championship game. 
920 in the East. Not good. Not great, Bob, as the line goes in Mad Men. And then there was the usual sniping back and forth from some people like Doug, Gop, Doug Gottlieb of Fox Sports to Clay Travis, who also is on Fox Sports. Travis was complaining about the 920 start time. Gottlieb was explaining, but this is how you get the best ratings. Other people chimed in. There was a blog post on For the Win or Awful Announcing that said, people need to stop complaining about the late start time. I don't quite know exactly how they're trying to aim this particular sporting event. Obviously, everyone, you know, you get the peak tune in if it's a close game late. And the game would have gotten close, or I don't know, it's halftime right now. So I don't know if it's going to be close or not, but it would games would get close in the 11 o'clock East Coast hour which of course translates to 8 p.m. out west, which means you get theoretically the best of both worlds. But is that just they want, do they just want the peak viewership or do they want all viewers over the entire run of the game itself? To me, 8 o'clock would have been a much nicer start time. 8 o'clock, so you get two and a half hours or thereabouts with a long halftime and extra long timeouts. And then you get a half an hour post game, one shining moment, coaches interviews, locker room, yada, yada. You're out by 11 on the East. And for the West Coast people, you say game starts at five. You chose to live out West, not us. So deal with it. That's how I would go. But as you know, there are major corporations sponsoring this event, and there is a lot of rights fees at stake. So therefore, they're going to start it when they're going to start it. It's the latest big event starting time, East Coast time, that exists in sports. And not good if you have to wake wake up the next morning early and go earn a living. Sometimes you read news stories and details, and then you have to go reread them because you just can't believe. Wait, you're like, wait, what? This story about the Chinese woman who was arrested at Mar-a-Lago trying to, who knows what, at a Trump family-related supposed charity get-together, gets even stranger by the report. According to Secret Service agents, when they searched her room at the Colony Hotel, they discovered she had $7,000 in change in U.S. currency and a bit more in Chinese money after she had told the authorities she only had $5,000 in a Wells Fargo bank account. Oops. Agents also found a cell phone, nine USB drives, five SIM cards, plus a device that can be used to spot hidden cameras. Those electronic devices were in addition to four cell phones, a laptop, a thumb drive that agents found in her purse when she was arrested. An examination of the thumb drive showed it contained malicious software that was unusual and potentially damaging. This according to Secret Service agent Samuel Ivanovich. When another agent tried to examine it, the malware began immediately installing a file on the agent's computer. (laughs) I hope this computer was just a dummy computer that the Secret Service uses that has no internet access, is not connected to anybody or anything, 
and is just used to just sort of sniff out, hey, does this thumb drive have malware on it? The, the, the spyware begins doing its thing and unloading and installing. And when another agent tried to examine it, the malware, okay, uh, began installing itself. He said it never happened to him. It was very out of the ordinary, said the Secret Service agent Ivanovich. He had to immediately stop the analysis and shut down his computer to halt any further corruption. Uh, yeah, Lou, uh, plug this into your computer. See what happens. Then, when they took this woman to interview her at the Secret Service office in West Palm Beach, they talked to her for four and a half hours. They don't have any audio of the interview. Apparently, the room at the Secret Service office in West West Palm Beach is not wired to capture audio. It only records video. Why would you wire it that way? Are we not the secret service? Even better, according to the story, the new secret service officer had not worked before at the West Palm Beach office. So after four and a half hours of interviewing this Chinese national who got a thumb drive with malware and had a bunch of other electronics and cameras that can detect hidden cameras into an event that could have had the president and or his fam- and his family in it at the event. After all this, the agent interviewing this woman for four and a half hours didn't know that the interview was not being recorded on audio tape. Oh, I, oh, I didn't know this room didn't record audio. I thought, thought it had pictures and audio. Jesus. Good job. Good job. Good effort. I know there's a lot of hardworking men and women, very competent men and women in the Secret Service and in other parts of government, but that is a forehead slapper right there. Oh, and now they're debating and they're arguing whether or not this woman should be given bail. And they're trying to determine whether or not she's a flight risk. Yes, yes, she's a flight risk. (laughs) No, she shouldn't get bail. I don't care. Oh, she's just a poor, confused Japanese woman or Chinese woman who thought she was going to a fundraiser and her English is not very good and these agents took advantage of her. No, no, no. No, no, no. You're not going anywhere till we figure out a little bit more about who sent you here, who gave you this money, who told you to come here, where'd you get that thumb drive, and what's with this thing that detects hidden cameras? Who the hell are you exactly? Then there's this former Senate Majority Leader, Harry Reid lost his civil court case against TheraBand, a company that makes exercise and rehabilitation bands that Reid claims left him seriously injured due to a manufacturing defect. This was back in 2015. The problem is, and one of the reasons he lost his case, was his story was all over the place. First, Reed testified that his injuries were the main factor why he decided not to seek a sixth Senate term in 2016. However, lawyers for TheraBand showed the jury a 2015 video in which Reed said his decision not to run had, quote, absolutely nothing to do with my injury. Oops. 
Also, he had shifting explanations on just how he was injured. Reed told various sources that, well, I had it hooked to a wall inside my bathroom, and then he said I had it hooked around a handle on my shower door. Uh, Then he said the band broke. Then he he said a lot of different things. But get this, one of the biggest problems with Reed's testimony was not just his shifting stories, it was the fact he couldn't even prove the band he was using that day was manufactured by the people he had sued. That's because his son threw the band away after the accident. Are you kidding me? Shouldn't shouldn't our legal system just say, where's the band? We threw it away. And you're suing TheraBand. Yes. Why? Well, they're the ones that made it. Well, you can't even prove it. You don't even have the band. Apparently what failed was Harry Reid's grip, and not just his grip on the band, but also his grip on the truth. Uh, Physical therapists had testified they were working with Reid for months to get him to use a proper stance when using the band. Also, he should have never been exercising in a bathroom full of hard surfaces where apparently he slipped, lost his grip, and then spun around and smashed his face on the hard edge of his bathroom counter. But it still went to trial, lawyers got paid, and a jury actually had to sit there and listen to that and shake their heads. Let's end on this today. I don't know if this is true or not, but I didn't really want to challenge Mrs. C until I did some research or got some feedback. So we were moving cars around the driveway in various garage spots, and I pulled the pickup truck, the Ford F-150, out onto the uh, the grass out here at the Zabin compound, the monogamous compound, as I call it. And as the day was winding down, my wife says to me, and uh, oh, and by the way, honey, don't forget to move the truck off the grass and back onto the driveway. And I jump in and I said, so it doesn't kill the grass? And she goes, no. So the tires don't deflate. And I'm like, really? Aurora Borealis localized in your kitchen. No, I uh, I said, oh, what do, you, what do you mean? She goes, well, I it happened before when I had my car parked on the grass. The soft ground caused the tires to deflate. Well, I'm going to keep an open mind about this. Maybe my wife's been getting... Uh, Scientific American Magazine or Popular Mechanics or something or Driveway Weekly and I don't know. Is she right? Does your car being on soft ground somehow induce tires to lose air? Could it be the moisture on the grass instead of the hard ground? Does it have something to do with the force? I, I don't know. And I'll just say this right now. If you're going to tell me that she is completely full of shit and totally off base, I'm going to have you tell her that. And not in those words, obviously. I'll have you gently break it to her that, no, that has nothing to do with nothing regarding your tires, but nice try. I I don't want to say that. Just, you know, don't need to have the sideways looks. Of course, I might be the dummy. I might be the one that never knew this, so... Do let me know, all you Bill Nye science guys out there 
and I'll share with you what I get. That'll do it for today. Thank you. Download, subscribe, comment, and like. Do tell a couple friends. People ask all the time, I love the Zavecast. How do I help out? Just tell somebody. Tell somebody, look, there's a sports radio guy who doesn't suck, who doesn't traffic in the same old bullshit arguments. It's funny. It's provocative. He's kind of an asshole at times, but he's got a heart of gold. He'll win you over. And you can listen to him every day, five days a week, four for free. One that costs money. Sign up and subscribe to the premium. Zave.com slash premium. Fridays ain't free. You know that. Podcasts of the future. They're like Netflix for your ears. Thank you for yours. Have yourselves a great night. I'm going to bed. It's late out there. And we will see you next time. Like a slave dog on the